This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Wednesday, February 9th. This is your 5x5 episode. Five writers from NBC Sports Edge for five minutes each. We have one day to go until the NBA trade deadline. And today we will discuss the fallout from some recent trades that have already happened and talk some trade deadline DFS strategy. That and much more is coming up for the next 25 minutes or so as we welcome in Ryan Knaus. Ryan, it is a shame, but there's really no news at all for us to discuss this week. So do you want to talk about like, I don't know, just landscaping or what do you want to talk about? Well, yeah, my neighbors are having a tree removed. We could we could really okay. dive into that. I mean, usually in the lead up to the trade deadline, there's some heat, but not not so much this year. Just a couple blockbuster trades on a Tuesday. You know, <laughs> right. things are falling right. into place earlier than usual. It, it, you know, it seems like the market is settled. Usually teams hold out to the last minute, see if they could extract that superstar, etc. But I guess, you know, there are known variables this year and teams are just making their moves when they see them. And I think there's one of two scenarios that happened with what we saw on Tuesday. It either stole all of the thunder uh, from the trade deadline or it's just a precursor to what's going to be an absolutely monster, insane deadline. And I could see either thing happening, honestly. That was like foreshadowing because I feel like the Thunder will absolutely make a trade at the deadline. <laughs> yeah, so there is some. There Fair will point. be some Thunder news, I am sure. It depends on Harden, really. To me, I think we may have seen the blockbuster with the Sabonis Halliburton move, uh, but obviously, mm-hmm. if Harden gets traded at the deadline, then blow that up. We also saw some big injury news on Tuesday, which I think is where you and I are planning to spend the remainder of our time here. So, uh, get it started for us. Yeah, so Bradley Beal done for the season, as you know. This leaves the Wizards in a clear kind of rebuild mode, which is very awkward. They have a team owner who has said that he will never, ever tank. uh, And yet you have a 24 and 29 team. It's one and a half games out of the play and turning now missing their best player who is headed into an offseason, by the way, when he can earn a max massive contract extension or new contract. So there's a ton of uncertainty. We're almost definitely going to see more trades from Washington in the coming, you know, 48 hours, 36, whatever it is now. So Beal, yeah, he's missed 13 games so far this season. He's now going to finish with a career low 40 games played, Matt. It was a brutal start to the year. Maybe this kind of explains why he struggled, never really got on track. Just a a wasted top 15 fantasy pick this year, really. It's it's pretty tough, especially for a guy who had established himself as an Ironman for three straight seasons. Well, that that label has slipped and may have completely fallen off this year. Good news, not a lower body injury. Shouldn't impact him next year. Um, And it does open up some opportunity for teammates, which I'm sure you want to talk about Spencer Dinwiddie uh, among. uh, Is there anyone else who jumps out at you? I'll talk extensively about Dinwiddie, but anyone else off the top of your head? First of all, first of all, I went into the company league, our 14 team company league to see who had Beal and I couldn't help but notice that a certain, I believe, second place team uh, managed by you had Bradley Beal, I believe. So sorry. Not for long. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm devastated as someone right behind you in the, in the standings. uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Obviously, obviously Beal being out. I'm not trying to say I'm happy about that, but 
I'm looking forward to running you down in that league. I made you you may soon see him hit the waiver wire and if I lose a first round pick in fantasy I like to change my team logo to a picture of that player to remind everybody of of my loss. So you may see a okay. Bradley Beal memorial image now as my team. So we have a couple minutes left. Um Aaron Holiday is one guy I was curious about too because he's coming off actually a good game on Monday. Uh, 14 points, four rebounds, four assists with three steals and a triple. He hasn't really been reliable, but he's one guy I'm just wondering about, you know, 2% rostered. What are guys like Corey Kispert and Denny Avdia going to appear on our radar again or for the first time? Mm-hmm. I mean, KCP's been kind of rough lately. I don't know. I mean, what's your initial thought of who, if anyone, really benefits from this absence? I think when you throw in the word really, then I go back to Spencer Dinwiddie. He's been demonstrably much better mm-hmm. with Beal off the court this season. Uh, in fact, without Beal on the court, he's averaging th- for 13 games, he's averaging 13 or th- rather 37.7 DFS points. With Beal on the court, he's averaging 23.8. So it's a difference of 14 wow. fantasy points per, ga- per game. Uh, he's averaging 5.7 more points on 6% better shooting without Beal this season. Uh, and again, a 13 game sample is not nothing. And the ball is in his hands a ton more. His assist rate climbs 10%. He's averaging two more dimes per game in those games without Beal. So Dinwiddie is the guy who wins, but you're looking at this and thinking, well, he might also be flipped himself, mm-hmm. uh, You know, especially if Washington is not looking to really win games the rest of the season. Sports Illustrated's Chris Mannix wrote today that Dinwiddie is, quote, available and then floated a theoretical trade with the Lakers involving Taylor Horton Tucker. David Aldridge wrote in The Athletic, and this is good news if you're a fantasy manager, that there, quote, hasn't been significant interest in Dinwiddie on the trade market, which is no surprise given his shooting struggles and inefficiency. Yeah. Uh, but if I'm a fantasy manager, I want him to stay in Washington. I want them to try to figure out what they have in him, what, what which pieces he may or may not work with. Uh, because if he's traded away, you, you just don't know, and he may fall into a similar role that he's had with Beal in Washington, uh, which is just not very productive for fantasy. Right. Well, our timer just went out, Ryan, and I think just we'll just end this by saying doesn't seem like we're running to pick up any guys immediately. I have added Aaron Holiday in at least one deeper league, so I think he's an interesting guy to watch. It, I, I yeah. think this is more of a watch-the-box score situation. And as for Dinwiddie, a guy who's been really frustrating in fantasy, uh, right on the line we talked about last week of should I drop this guy, should I start him, should I bench him, you know, uh, maybe this mm-hmm. injury uh, pushes him inside that top 150 to stay where we can trust him in fantasy. Potentially, it sounds like you're saying. It at least gives him a path to continued fantasy relevance. Whereas, as you said, to this point, he's been barely worth rostering. So right. definitely a at least a silver lining for some fantasy managers out there, myself not included as a Bradley Beal manager. All right. Well, uh, yeah, bummer news there for anyone who had Beal on a fantasy roster. Uh, Ryan, Love the Roto World hat, by the way. I'll talk to you soon. Oh, thanks, man. See you. <laughs> All right. Noah Rubin is here. Noah, one big trade that went down on Tuesday, as we mentioned, involved DeMontis Sabonis and others heading to Sacramento with Tyrese Halliburton and Buddy Heald, the headliners, coming back to Indiana. And I and I think we're going to talk about Sacramento in a, in a bit, but I believe you had some thoughts on the Indiana side of things here to get things rolling. Yeah, I did. Uh, it kind of seems to me that the Pacers are really interested in getting all the guys that are a lot older than you thought they were on their team because they have Buddy Heald and Brogdon, who are 29, Chris Duarte, who's 24. Wow. Definitely didn't think they were, the, or you kind of knew they were that old, but didn't really think they were that old. 
Yeah, yeah. Heald might have pulled a Duarte and come into the NBA when he was like 24, possibly, now that I'm now that I'm remembering. Yeah, I think they both did because Brogdon and, and Heald were on the same all-rookie team in 2017. So they all came in just very old. So Right. <laughs> Got it. Sneaky old guys. Okay. So the, uh, the trade obviously sent uh, Halliburton and Heald to Indiana to join. Now they kind of have like right. a nice backcourt with four guys that you're kind of like, oh, I kind of wanted them in fantasy. So they're all taken away from each other a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the thing that I kind of see is I like Duarte more than Buddy Heald through the rest of the season. And that's because, okay. uh, you know, the Pacers, one, they didn't lose their draft pick in that trade. And it's probably not going to be a very good draft pick. They're eight games out of the play-in right now behind the Hawks and Hornets. So they're probably not necessarily pushing for a play-in spot. So I could definitely see them just rolling with the youth for the rest of the season. Yeah. So, I mean, that could result in, you know, Malcolm Brogdon's missed a lot of games so far with an Achilles injury. He's kind of close to coming back, but they may not want to rush him back if they're not necessarily trying to actually win games. So I think that Tyrese Halliburton and Chris Duarte are probably the two that I'm looking at for the rest of the season. Yeah, that's fair. I just wonder if there's a little bit of like tent. Well, I would imagine there's some tension there with a, a veteran coach, Rick Carlisle, who seems like he desperately wants to win games and, and and can't take another minute of this losing. Just that's me projecting. But just every time I watch the Pacers, uh, he looks like he's he's not a happy person on the sidelines. So I wonder if he's going to try to get this the full squad together and win some games. And I do wonder. I think my concern with Duarte is. Not necessarily minutes, but usage and production if and when they are at full strength, you know, with Heald, with Brogdon, with Halliburton and Duarte. I worry maybe that he's not going to get enough shots and produce enough, but I think maybe his path to that is Brogdon's injury history, which you mentioned. Yeah, I think there's, I mean, there's definitely a chance of that happening, but I would kind of, you know, roll the dice on it favoring Duarte, especially because I think there was reports Mm -hmm. that came out this morning that they may look to swing Buddy Heald, uh, maybe to a team that's more of a contender. I mean, he's 29, and I think he's under contract through 2024. He doesn't really help them. Obviously, like you said, Carlisle probably doesn't want to lose. He probably doesn't want to have many more games like last night against the Hawks. I don't know if you watched that, but that was pretty brutal brutal if you're a Pacers fan, I imagine. But uh, over the past month, Duarte's provided eighth-round value. Heald's presided 16th. And Duarte is more readily available in Yahoo League. Yeah, and by the way, if you added Duarte, I, th- I know I've had people asking me on Twitter, "What do I do? You know, what does this mean for Duarte?" He's absolutely a hold in fantasy, even if we we're not thrilled to see Halliburton and Heald arrive in Indiana. And like you said, maybe Heald will be on his way out. Let's go now to another team, a very different story, but a team that has also been reeling lately. The Brooklyn Nets are in a free fall. They've lost nine in a row, but Cam Thomas in the midst of that has been putting up some notable numbers. So what are your thoughts on him? I've loved Cam Thomas since I watched him for the first time in March Madness playing against Michigan. I don't know how many step backs he hit, but he hit like seven or eight contested (laughs) step backs. And I was like, okay, this guy, he's built for the NBA. He's an NBA scorer. And now over the last 28 games of the season, Kyrie Irving can only play in 10 of them because of his vaccination status. So you take Kyrie Irving kind of out of the equation. KD's out until mid-March-ish. We don't really know for sure. And then who knows what's happening with James Harden. He's kind of missed the last few with his hamstring injury. We don't know how much longer that's going to go on. The trade deadline tomorrow, something crazy could happen. So I'm a big fan of Cam Thomas. He's only 18% rostered in Yahoo Leagues. I'd say go for it. 
And by the way, the Nets were down 28-2 to in that game, and it looked like we were on course for a total Cam Thomas dud early on. He still ended up with like 17 points and, and a few other peripheral stats. So I think he's gone 30, 20, and 17 points his last three games. And last I checked, he was 6% rostered in Yahoo. I'm imagining that number is up, though, and uh, but still widely available either way. Yeah, I just checked a little bit ago. It's 18%, but still readily 18. available, like you said. That game against the Celtics was wild i think patty mills finished with a minus 47 plus minus i don't know if that's a record but it's got to be up there man that yeah it's crazy crazy what the the downturn this brooklyn team has taken but cam thomas definitely a guy to stash right now noah thanks thank you man have a good one all right you too all right we are now going to talk some dfs and we're going to bring in renee miller to do so renee first of all uh great to have you here thanks for inviting me yeah, absolutely. Now, we've already been talking about some trades that have already gone down. We're likely to see many more in the next day or so. I wanted to ask you, how do you handle trades and the fallout from trades when it comes to DFS? What's your strategy there? <laughs> I I was just thinking this morning that my strategy should really be to go on vacation this week. <laughs> but um, actually, the, the DFS or the NBA schedules uh, have been a little bit kind to us this week as the slates are, are more manageable than they sometimes are with mm-hmm. six or seven games a day this week, which which helps when there's so much craziness going on. My strategy, um, as much as I love the puzzle solving aspects of DFS and like outwitting and out strategizing, I think when it comes to the trade deadline, I become really conservative and cautious and really I'm looking for what is the sure thing, what, um, you know, targeting players and teams that are as far from the rumors as could be. And I know you guys touched on a couple of the big trades that have already happened, which is also kind of nice. But then we're kind of in another dilemma, which is what is that player's role going to be on his new team? And we all have our like hopes and um, expectations, and they may or may not align with the reality. So there's always going to be some risk. And, you know, like Levert's probably starting tonight with this new team, it seems like there's a ton of opportunity. There's some injuries with Cleveland. It's a good matchup. Right. I feel pretty good about it. But then there's there's always the risk that, you know, the chemistry isn't there or that he's going to be eased in. He doesn't, you know, know how to work with, you know, this kind of front court heavy team. So I, my main mantra this week is caution. So, yeah. So if we haven't seen it yet, you don't want to bet on what we might see. What about, though, a case where... Like what we saw last night, we mentioned this Pacers-Hawks game where the Pacers traded Sabonis and a couple other guys. You know, the roster's totally gutted for that game against the Hawks. Is that, when we see that kind of thing happen, maybe again on Thursday potentially, is that an opportunity you look to get after in those cases? Sure, and we might see some similar um, opportunities tonight in Sacramento or Portland where there just aren't that many bodies. So in those cases, right, right, you know, like I think, Nurkic and Simons are great options tonight. I actually like Justice Winslow coming off a good game as well. So yeah, when there aren't, you know, more than eight or nine healthy bodies (laughs) available, then sure, there's likely going to be minutes. And even if the chemistry isn't great, the opportunity might outweigh that, especially if it's a favorable matchup. Sure. So so switching gears a little bit, big picture strategy, big picture strategy. Um, You know, we've had some a number of guests from our NBC Sports Edge betting team on the podcast in recent weeks. How do you use betting lines when it comes to setting DFS lineups? 
Well, the more points Vegas expects there to be scored, the more opportunity there's going to be for fantasy goodness. So I, I try to weight my strategy toward the the higher over unders. Um, anything over two thirty is great, but even you know close games in the two twenties are attractive targets. Spreads are a little bit more difficult to interpret. So mm-hmm. you know when one team is favored by a lot, that's kind of enticing. They're probably you know, going to come out and dominate, but is it worth it to pay up for the superstar in that game where, you know, it might be a three quarter effort and, you know, sometimes a player like LeBron or Giannis is going to, you know, put up 65 fantasy points in three quarters, but if they don't, you're really wasting a lot of salary. So I try to go situationally. There's a lot of Vegas lines that are, you know, in the double digits that I think for various reasons might not end up that way. We've seen a lot of upsets uh-huh. um, this season in particular, it feels like. So the spreads are a little bit secondary to me to the overall point total. Got it. But potentially maybe a tiebreaker between superstars if sure. one has a if one has a double digit spread. Yeah. Well, we got about 30 seconds left. Um, we were going to get into some defense versus position numbers, Renee. I don't even know if we have time. Any quick thoughts there? I look at DVP every day. I like to think more about the overall DVP. So you can find the overall defensive rating or um, fantasy generosity to teams as a whole. Because sometimes the way that um, the people that put out the DVP score positions is different than the way I would score positions or the way teams use players um, in Mm -hmm. the position. So I use it, but I'm not um, strict adhered to it. Okay. Well, I look forward to having you back on here sometime soon. Uh, Everyone, you can follow her on Twitter at Renee Miller 01. Renee, thanks for stopping by. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks. Okay. We have two more writers still to go, but first we're going to take a quick break. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's hard not to add a side of hot, crispy hash browns to your favorite McDonald's breakfast. It's even harder not to eat said hash browns before you get home. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. NBC Sports Edge Plus is giving you an NBA midseason offer. Get 20% off an Edge Plus annual subscription throughout February when you use promo code STU20. Finish your fantasy regular season strong at one low price. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash Edge Plus. Use promo code STU20 at checkout to save today. Also, download the NBC Sports Predictor app powered by PointsBet and enter Wednesday's free NBA Pick and Roll contest for a chance to win $50,000. This week, we're highlighting matchups between the Bulls and Hornets, Timberwolves and Kings, and Lakers and Trailblazers. So if you don't have the Predictor app yet, download it now as we welcome in Brad Stonebreaker. Brad, all I have written down here is Kings. That's all all I've got. Where are we going here? 
That should be plenty. Yeah. Um, so obviously this was one of the two big trades yesterday. Um, real quick trade breakdown. The Pacers got Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, Tristan Thompson uh, from the Kings. And the Kings got back DeMontis Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday, and a 2027 second round pick. I'm probably not alone in wondering what in the world the Kings are doing here. Um, <laughs> except I've seen them getting bashed all over. And I mean, the Sabonis move makes sense. Like He's awesome. He's going to be just fine. He's going to be probably as good as he was in Indiana, but sending away Halliburton is just mm-hmm. still kind of blowing my mind. In his 12 games without De'Aaron Fox, who we thought was going to be on the move, um, he's putting up 19.2 points on almost 46% from the field, 4.1 boards, 10 assists, 1.9 steals, 0.4 blocks, and 2.3 threes on 39% from range in those 12 games. Yeah, like I said, everyone thought it was going to be Fox that was going to be moved. And they sent out Halliburton on his rookie deal where they're paying him not even $5 million a year. And it just seems like an absolute steal for Indiana. They could keep him until 2025 with a qualifying offer. For some context, Taylor Horton Tucker is making around $10 million a year right now. And Halliburton's making less than half of that. So it's just just pretty baffling to me. It's got him for dirt cheap. And if people are worried about Halliburton existing with Brogdon, I do get that. But Brogdon's also played in three games since December 21st right. and just does not play. So rant over for now. What, do you, what Are you as mind blown as I am that the Kings did this? Or do you think it was somewhat positive with, the Sabon- with Sabonis coming in? Or what do you think? It just feels like the Kings kind of put themselves in an awkward spot by drafting, uh, you know, another point guard in the lottery, basically. And, and, I mean, I don't know. The three-point guard thing is a re- it just didn't seem like it was really going to work. So, I don't know. I mean, the, Sabonis is pretty exciting. So, I guess I'd be bummed. If I was a Kings fan, I'd be pretty bummed Hal Burns on the way out, and I'd be pretty excited that Sabonis is coming in. So, wh- what do you think? I mean, this is obviously really good news in terms of fantasy for Davion Mitchell, um, who had been trending up, then posted a dud on Tuesday. But I think overall, we have to be excited about his outlook, right? Even though it was... Fox's absence he was benefiting from, I think taking a point guard out of that equation has to benefit him him a lot, right? Yeah, absolutely. And he played 30 minutes last night, starting with Fox. So I I think last night was more of an outlier. He's been, he's been really good. Um, Otherwise, I don't think it's a not, I don't think he's unable to coexist with Fox with the sample size a little small because we haven't seen those two only play together um, Mm -hmm. a lot, but I'm really high on him. I picked him up wherever I could. I think he's going to be... I hope the steals go up because he's such a good defender. I think Jonas mentioned yesterday in the Q&A, like he's just such a solid defender that he doesn't gamble much and right. the steals aren't really there. But if he can get a steal in like, I don't know, three three quarters of a block or something a game, I think that would be really, really boost his value. But I'm yeah, I'm all in on both Davion Mitchell and I think the other clear winner of this is the Pacers big Isaiah Jackson who's gotten a ton of buzz lately. Uh, with Sabonis out and Miles Turner status pretty unclear at the moment. I think Jackson just needs like, I think even if he plays 20, 24 minutes, I think he could have some, some appeal, even, even in shallower leagues. He just, he's just that fantasy friendly. Jared Johnson, the very mention of you, you even saying (laughs) Isaiah Jackson's name has, has sent Jared into, into like, yeah, Jared, Jared is, Jared's gears are going full speed. He is excited to talk Isaiah Jackson about a minute from now. Uh, speaking yeah. of which our minute with our minute that's remaining, are there, do you have any other thoughts on like the King's side of this uh, coming out of this trade? I mean, first of all, I, 
it won't shock anyone, right, to see Justin Holiday getting, you know, significant minutes for this team and just not putting up exciting fantasy numbers. I feel like Justin Holiday has become the guy who real coaches want to play, doesn't really do much in fantasy, and is just going to devour 28 to 30 minutes. I definitely see that happening. I'm honestly a little more interested in Jeremy Lamb. He could I'm not I'm not rushing to get him anywhere, but he's been a fantasy guy, a late round guy from like back a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Just hasn't been able to stay healthy. But if he can carve out a twenty five, even like even thirty minute role on this team, I think he could have some some late round attractiveness. I I think he could be all right. I, like I said, it's, I'm not that excited about him, but I think it could be okay. It's not a move you feel wonderful about after making it, but it could pay dividends. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Brad. All right. Talk to you soon. Cool. Thanks, Matt. Okay. He He's waited patiently for the last minute or so. Continuing a trend that started with Brad, all I have written down here is Isaiah Jackson. I It's actually Isaiah Jackson! And uh, I know at the risk of turning this podcast into uh, an... Uh, tracker of isaiah podcast i just can't help myself uh, after yesterday's trade which i did not see coming just side note for a sec i think that we're being a little bit overvaluing of halliburton and pre- massively undervaluing sabonis um i don't think that was a horrible trade i think sabonis is an all-star and tyrese halliburton is an up-and-comer and I guess everyone forgot that Fox is good. Okay. Anyways, uh, <laughs> moving on to my man, Isaiah Jackson. I know that we have been talking about him a lot in recent podcasts, but I want to give my two cents. And uh, when I looked up his roster ship percentage today, mm-hmm. despite mm-hmm. all of us regularly singing his praise, do you know where it's at? Last I checked, it was 24. It is. Ooh, okay. It's at 30% now. 30%. That means he is yeah. still widely available. Now, 30% right. to me feels a little bit insulting. I feel like I'm being gaslit here. Um, I get that it's been a little bit frustrating that after this guy's career performance, he went on to miss the next four games um, right. with that ankle injury. But, but he was listed as questionable for the last game, which may imply that he's getting close. And the the Pacers don't take the floor again until Friday versus Cleveland, um, which would actually be a great matchup for him to come back for. He is, even if Goga Batadze is the starting center, I -hmm. think that he has a path to minutes in the mid-20s, and that is enough time for this man to be absolutely elite with like top 50 potential with his shot blocking numbers alone so that's what i have to say about isaiah jackson Uh, i love this man do you have any input on that well and i think you raised an interesting point there when it comes to his roster percentage because i do think that dropped dramatically because of the ankle injury people just don't want to wait people you know we lose our patience quickly in this day and age it's the dr a phenomenon right (laughs) oh he's done He's, he's he's done he's got an ankle injury he's done i'm out but he's IL eligible, injured list eligible in Yahoo right now. They don't play again until Friday. So you actually have an opportunity to, I sound like I'm trying to sell you a car. You have an opportunity <laughs> to stash him, put him on an injured list spot and open up another roster spot to stash someone else if your league has a, you know multiple injured list spots. So exciting stuff. I'm on board. Uh, you know, Miles Turner maybe gets traded anyways. Even if he doesn't, he's still hurt. 
Yeah. Gogo Patadze is the only guy he's got a vault passed for, for major center minutes. This is a guy with just a crazy skill set that includes threes. So, uh, yeah, I'm into it. Cool. It's all upside. It's all upside. The worst that happens yeah. is a couple games after the deadline, you're not happy with it and you, you cut him, but it's all upside. Yeah. And I, I mean, I understand at this point in the year with the fantasy playoffs approaching, maybe you're not in a situation where you can have this guy on your roster. But man, I just feel you're going to right. regret it if you don't just give it a little bit more patience because he's right there. Speaking of, you mentioned him, Goga Batadze. Do you know what his roster ship percentage is? Man, it was low when I looked yesterday, really low, mm-hmm. um, like 15 or lower. What is before yesterday, as of yesterday? 18%. <laughs> okay. So the, the starting center is about yeah. uh, less, about half the roster ship of Isaiah Jackson, who's not even playing. Um, and he had a great game yesterday. He had 14 points, two triples, two boards, two dimes, two steals, three blocks in 30 minutes. Um, mm-hmm. and, and as you said, Miles Turner, hey, maybe he gets traded, but he's dealing with a significant injury here. This stress mm-hmm. reaction is no joke. It kills, it kills seasons. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not even really considering uh, Miles Turner in this scenario. I think that both Goga Batadze and Isaiah Jackson can be successful, um, even mm-hmm. if it's kind of a timeshare because they both offer so much upside. And it, so yeah. in Goga's 10 starts throughout his career, he has compiled averages of 11.8 points, 6.7 boards, 2.7 assists, and 2.3 swats. And that's in just uh, 26.5 minutes per game. So that kind of gives you an idea of even if he's kind of locked into a timeshare, both these guys can do it with the shot blocking numbers. So I don't know, have people lost interest in in elite shot blocking centers who can give you dimes? I don't, y'all should go get go. We move on, we move on quickly, Jared. We move on quickly. Sorry, I just threw some headphones on the ground. I was so excited about Goga's numbers that you cited. We move on fast, we move on fast, you know, but it, it is kind of that, post-hype situation you know we talk about by the way our alarm went off so we're gonna have to go in a second we talk about post-hype from season to season i feel like now we have like post-hype week to week right the goga hype was a couple weeks ago now he's post that hype and he's he's an easy pickup again so i think both those guys i think jackson is the moonshot you know uh if you if you want to aim for just crazy upside goga has some upside too but i think he's kind of the maybe safe maybe safer floor pickup arguably i 100 percent agree with that i think that goga has a higher floor isaiah has a higher ceiling but both these guys yeah. i think need to be rostered in far more uh leagues than all right are. all right well raf is not here for the last word today so the last word is taking a week off we've had plenty of words already on this show <laughs> that is gonna do it for us don't forget to subscribe to the show on apple Podcasts, on spotify wherever you listen take a minute to rate and review us as well we'll be back tomorrow steve and raf on the day of the deadline part of a full day of coverage at nbc sports edge uh i'll also be live blogging the trade deadline which should be a good time and on friday we're here talking waiver wire pickups in the aftermath of the deadline in the meantime keep it tuned to the road world player news page on nbc sports edge thanks to all of you for listening and watching live with us today and thank you to all of our writers ryan noah renee brad and you jared thanks talk to you soon thank you adios 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.